Hi, this is Queen Anne's County Commissioner Jim Moran, and you're listening to the Conduit Street Podcast, the official podcast of the Maryland Association of Counties. Welcome to the Conduit Street Podcast. Kevin Canale here with my co-host, Mako's Executive Director, Michael Sanderson. Kevin, how are you? Doing very well. And Michael, we have a special episode today. We are down here at the National Folk Festival in Wicomico County in the city of Salisbury. And I got to tell you, I am super, super impressed with what is going on in Wicomico County. Uh, we picked a great landing spot to try our first sort of on-site location and that sort of thing. And we've got a lineup of guests that are going to be great, but what an event they've got cooking here. Yeah, a lot of people walking around, even though we have this hurricane lurking off the coast. <laughs> and that's a perfect segue. We have with us County Executive Bob Culver. County Executive Culver, thank you so much for joining us this evening and again, we're super impressed with what's going on down here. This is a great event. It's great to have this folk festival here, expecting a lot of people. But we do have that hurricane lurking off the coast. I guess we need to talk about that first. Talk about how the county is is preparing for the hurricane, your emergency preparedness, and, and some of the, 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 the protocols that you have in place. Well, thank you. I welcome both of you to Wicomico County, and it's a pleasure having you here. And I would like to be able to take credit for moving the hurricane off the coast, but <laughs> we'll I'm, give it to you. Go okay. ahead. Yeah, then we're I'll ready take for it that. Then. I'll yeah. take that. You know how Called in a chit. You, I you like take it. every victory you can get. Someday, <laughs> That's right. So. That's right. Um, but as far as our emergency preparedness, what we have done is uh, we started meeting a week ago as far as uh, meeting with our emergency managers and their staff as to contacting NOAA, contacting Wakefield, and we had every report that was coming out. So we were able to kind of sit and wait like everybody else. But in the meantime, we, we did everything we could do to make sure our ditches were as open as they could be. I mean, that seems to be the problem we're having all on the sure, eastern shore sure. of Maryland is the ditching and the flooding. So we worked very hard on getting those open as, as quickly as possible, um, making sure our emergency shelters were set up because, quite honestly, our biggest problem right now, what we're still facing, is, is a two-foot surge. Mm -hmm. and, and a two-foot, if it turns into a four-foot surge with a high tide, we have many parts of Wicomico County, which is just a foot above Sea level. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. four so feet's a really big deal. Four here. feet's yeah. a big yeah, deal. Not, and we've not got, a lot of room to play with. Right. And so so we're still on, on guard right now until probably after tomorrow afternoon sometime when mm -hmm. we know it's going to be uh, pretty much farther than us offshore. It won't bother us. But so we have worked with that, and it's, it's been trying, you know, as far as making sure you've got all your bases covered. But um, it's been that government thing that governments do. It's, I mean, right. That's I mean, that's front and center for, for your role as a county leader uh, to be thinking of your community, thinking about public safety, planning ahead. You plan for the worst, you hope for the best. Right. And I mean, it looks like we're going to get the better side of some of those projections. Um, and I, you're exactly right. The flood and a storm surge is an underappreciated element of how much that can affect the community. Everybody thinks about a high wind and a heavy rain and tornadoes. And those things are terrible. And our hearts go out to North Carolina. 
Carolina and sure. the, the other mm-hmm. the other states who are feeling this and the Bahamas. The Bahamas, for but, sure. Right. Uh, but, you know, at, at the same time, the effects of big storms like this take sure. different forms. And with a lot of low-lying country like Wicomico has, I mean, like like you said, the, the rise, rise in water levels are really we big. We would be like Oka Crook Island. Yeah. It's got six yeah. feet of water now. Right. Yeah, North Carolina, they, they got, they got hit, hit really they, hard. Yeah. Our banks did. So, yeah, so we're, we're very fortunate, but we take nothing for granted and, you know, like you say, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the county has been has been advanced in its thinking generally about public safety and emergency preparedness and communications, uh, investing in a new public sa- public safety center mm-hmm. a- as a way to bring that together and have more synergy. Um, I mean, that's been one of the things that this county has been a leader in. Do you have, do you have any, anything to share about that? Well, we hope to start break ground this year on that. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, the first draw from the bond market. We did that last year, and we're we're going through all, all the final details now, but you know, it, like a lot of small counties, we took a lot of things for granted for many years. <laughs> Our sheriff's association, with over a hundred members, was in basically a strand steel building that had a seventy mile an hour rating, wind right, rating. Right. and we expect them to be there for us when when we need them, and, and we weren't even putting them in safe quarters. <laughs> so that's one of my priorities that I have decided to make sure that that they are in well-protected, well-safety uh, buildings. So that's why we're working on that strong now. And you're going to make sure, too, I mean, we talk a lot about Next Generation 911 on this podcast. That was a big initiative for MAKO during the last legislative session, and all the counties came down and showed a lot of support. And this new public safety center, you're going to have your 911 folks in there as they work toward getting to Next Gen 911. And I can say, working with your folks down here in Wicomico, they're really cutting edge and they are ahead of the curve when it comes to making sure that they're ready to implement next generation 911 in Wicomico yeah. County. We are. We have the texting ability now, which we did not have before. Right. So mm-hmm. that's, we're on top of that. Uh, we have instigated, um, instituted a policy with Pulse, and that's a signal that goes out to anybody yes. that joins it. Right. In other words, if someone in this government office building had a heart attack, it would go out automatically, and there may be somebody that's qualified right here within our building right. to take care of that. So, right. um, so we're we're trying to be prepared wherever it happens. We have a, a hundred and three thousand people in Wicomico County, and and we're trying to make sure that all of them are safe. Right. And one of the other big things here in Wicomico, I don't think a lot of people think about, is your airport and yes. how mm-hmm. integral that is to the county and to the economy. Big things are happening at the airport. Let's talk about that a little bit. Tell us what is going on at the airport these days. We've had meetings with uh, Senator Cardin and with Senator Van Hollen, as well as uh, Andy Harris, again, Congressman Harris. Mm-hmm. We're trying to expand the airport. Uh, we have United Airlines on a daily passenger flight coming in out of Salt. And a lot of people don't know that. I mean, that, yeah. that's a kind of that's a big deal. We're actually the second largest airport in the state of Maryland. We have full time FAA. We have the uh, tower. We have all the instrument landing that kind of stuff. So we're actually the the second uh, largest airport in the state of Maryland. So it is. It's very well kept secret that sure. I don't want to keep it secret sure. anymore. So what we're going to be doing, working on is is extending the runway so that we can go to eight thousand feet. That will pretty much land anything um you know right now we're at 6400 we're pretty sure we're going to be able to get over 7000 because that's what united air needs for these jets right during the summer months with a hot temperature they are not allowed to go full capacity uh-huh. they have to have a uh, 20% off Sure, weight, just because so of the runway length. Have the, the runway length and be able to get up mm-hmm. you're correct so that right. that's something we're working on and and that looks like the, the first 7,800 square feet, or running feet, will be 
pretty much easy to take care of. It's just a matter of time. It takes FAA almost 10 years to pay you back, but it's a $35 million investment total to extend the airport by that 1,400 feet. So yeah. um, it's going well. We've got uh, a new drone facility being built at the airport. Yeah, let's talk about drones. Michael, we love to talk about drones and new technology, yeah. but these aren't right. your typical drones that you yeah, and this, I are in our backyard flying this, around. Yeah, this isn't the flight over the pool and take pictures of the right. family reunion. <laughs> right, right. No, no, we're talking about a whole different ballgame, right? These are commercial drones. These are the kind the military use. Um, back last year, the... Wallops Island in Chincoteague asked that all civilian contractors be moved off and put only military contractors on the, on the base. You know, which sounded kind of bad, but turned out to be a windfall for Wicomico County. We're the only airport that has airspace touching Chincoteague. Oh, so you're in the perfect spot. Right? We're in the perfect spot, right. so they wouldn't right. have to be cleared to go somewhere else. We're in our mm, airspace, right. so we're we're ideal for that. So. So I think in, in both cases, the geography of Wicomico County and, and Salisbury, I mean, it's, it's like that, you know, the, the, the capital of the Delmarva region for a reason. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, having, having the airport here as access to the beach communities and access to the whole Delmarva Peninsula makes plenty of sense. So making that more accessible to passengers and commercial, that makes a ton of sense. And, you know, an investment in unmanned aircraft, uh, you need a place that, that's, you know, away from if the military says this is our spot okay they lay down their tarp what's outside the tarp here we go as a matter of fact we have fedex as a tenant in the airport now and they told us that within five years they'll probably be delivering packages by drones of course sure right yeah. and we've been hearing this for a while and yeah. you know i mean the amazons of the world have been saying that's mm-hmm. coming so i don't know i'm and ready I, i'm ready for the whole thing. i want blade runner and, and out the there among the scores of people down here at the national folk festival i we saw a drone earlier hovering above and i'm sure taking photos sure. and so this is the future and it sounds like wicomico is on the cutting edge where well, you're ready to invest in the future and you have the infrastructure in place to make sure that you'll be able to, to handle all of that and working with the military, which obviously they're, they're a pretty good partner. They're a real good partner to have. And, and we use Patuxent Air Base a lot. They do a lot of their touch and goes and their practice runs out of Wicomico now. That's so great. we're, you know, it, it's an economic boost that you don't know how much of a boost it is until you lose it. Sure. You know, I <laughs> sure. mean, and that's, sure. that's, that's the real yeah. advantage in this and that, that it is got the potential to be a lot more. So we have, we have new FBOs looking at coming in now. We also have new, uh, hangars looking to be built now. So it's, it's starting to turn. Yeah. I, I think this is a common theme we're going to hear from, from our walk around the downtown area and in and around Salisbury, um, in and around through, through Wicomico County. You can, you can sense that there's transition afoot block by block and you can see infrastructure happening these investments in transportation it all it's all pointing in a good direction and that's that's really encouraging to hear i think we're gonna you know that's gonna be a common theme from our conversations down here yeah absolutely and and county executive your fiscal health that's something that we have talked about over the years i mean Mm -hmm. you do a fantastic job here in the county making sure that your fiscal health is very strong and you are prepared to deal with any sort of downturn or if there's any event where you you wouldn't be caught stuck in the mud, right? So you do a great job with your fiscal health and you and the council make sure that you're ready for any event that, that could strike the county. Thank you. We, we try to. We've actually are the strongest in, in the state of Maryland as far as our reserves compared to our uh, general fund. 
And so we're, we're very proud of that. We have almost $60 million in savings account. Right, right. absolutely. Yeah. And that's important in a rural area where you rely maybe on certain industries. And, and if somebody pulled out, you, if, you'd have to be ready to respond. You'd have to be ready. But also at the same time, we're trying to prepare for the future. When we go to a bond market, because we are so strong, we're not a AAA rating because we have a revenue cap. Mm -hmm. And we've been told that over and over. But because we are so strong financially, we, we right. you know, last year I beat out Howard County. Right. You know, which wasn't right. by much, but Listen, we but love for, Howard County. But, Howard but, County. but for a jurisdiction of this size, yes. it's yeah. it's unusual for the bond houses to look that favorably right. on a on a county with a hundred thousand people. Right. Usually, they're like your small cap. potatoes. You can scramble, sure. you know, to with with one employer making a, an unfortunate decision. Mm -hmm. um, you having a plan and having reserves and thinking ahead that way. I mean, that's that's what puts you in as good stead as you can be with them. And the only drawback to having such a good savings account is. The school board and everybody else thinks well, you should be getting rid yeah, of that. Sure, I, mean, it, sure. I mean, it takes yeah. a fiscal discipline, and that's sometimes an unpopular thing to do. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, honestly, it's sometimes we have to talk about it in Annapolis. And, and Annapolis will say, well, you know, the counties are sitting on these reserves. They could probably be using that for the, the order of the day, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's a balance to be struck there politically and practically, but it's it, it's a wise practice and it, it pays off. When you get that good bond rating, mm -hmm. you're paying less to finance projects like your public safety center. Sure. So it all comes back. And we're doing that and trying at the same time to expand and take care of our stuff. Sure. You know, sure. It, yep. You know, we're such a throwaway society anymore. And these buildings should last longer than 40 or 50 years. Schools should last longer than 40 years. So <laughs> that's what I'm trying to build for to last longer. Absolutely. And I know you have to run county executive. You have a massive event going on outside <laughs> with thousands and thousands of people. But quickly, you know, walking around Wicomico, walking around Salisbury, you see Wicomico has gone purple. And that's mm -hmm. a, that's something that we see across the state. You're not immune from the opioid epidemic down here on the lower shore in Wicomico. Talk about that a little bit and, and how the county is working to, to mitigate the opioid epidemic. And of course, again, it's something that we're seeing across the state. Sure. Well, we're doing like every other county as much as we possibly can. We started what we call the COAT team, which is a community outreach addiction team, and where we send out peers to go out and, and work. It became such a popular program. Our health officer has shared it with the rest of the state and their, their health mm -hmm. officers, as well as it's been nationally recognized. Uh, as the leader of Wicomico County, I decided that I wanted every one of my employees to be trained for NARCOM. That's mm -hmm. great. And I can tell you with, with a lot of pride that all of my County employees are now trained with Narcom and now carry Narcom. And that's the opioid anecdote. So yes, if someone's sorry. overdosing, you, you're able to, you're trained to be able to, to respond with Narcan and help them get out of that, that, right. that terrible our truck event. drivers have it. Our, our parks and recreation people have it. Our planning and zoning departments have it in their cars and, and ready to administer if need be. And, that's great. you know, so, so I hope they never have to administer it. I'd like to say this is something we, 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 did and didn't have to do, but uh, for right now, it's the best best foot forward as far as I can see, being ready, being prepared. Well, uh, County Executive Culver, thanks so much for, for your time in serving the county. I'll also thank you for serving the Maryland Association of Counties yes. as a board member to MACO and dedicates a lot of his time and effort to keeping our ship steered correctly. Um, and thanks very much for lending some of your space so we can do recordings down oh, here with pleasure. you and, and colleagues in the community. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And again, I welcome you all here and um, know that you're always welcome as well as anybody in the state. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we are very, very, very happy to have one of the biggest advocates for local government in the Maryland General Assembly. We have with us Delegate Carl Anderton. 
You've just been such a huge advocate for local governments. Talk about that a little bit. Well, first off, it's really cool that uh, I've been following this podcast for a while, and <laughs> here I am. We're yeah, excited. of course. Wow. We're happy to be here. I mean, you're <laughs> a busy guy. Did We're you hear that finally- noise? That was the scrape of the bottom of the barrel. No. Looking for no, guests. No, no, no. Let's, go to, let's go to Salisbury Final Cornbread. He'll get on here. We've so. been trying to track you uh, for a long Yeah, no, right on. Um, no, it's, it's it's good having you guys in town, you know, for National Folk Fest weekend. You know, we've got the Delmarva Shorebirds in the playoffs for the first time since 2005. Yeah, well, I know. Uh, we're going to talk tonight. about that. Yep. <laughs> There's a lot going on tonight in Wicomico. And, uh, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the place to you be. Yeah. Wicomico High School is playing the first home game. We've got the other uh, local teams playing tonight. And, Friday night And uh, you got it, man. And uh, <laughs> SU football's on the road. They'll be back next week, and it's a good time of year. So, so, so you mentioned cornbread. And, you know, sure. in Annapolis and, and everywhere, you hear cornbread here comes cornbread and, and and everybody knows who that is can you i don't know if i've ever heard the story about the, right. you know where that came from Talk i mean about, if with the parts you can share yeah crazy story i guess it kind of started back in about 99 when okay. the movie life came out with eddie murphy martin lawrence okay there's a scene in there about cornbread you know and uh uh so that's kind of <laughs> kind of where it kind of started. And then um, I, I worked on the radio for a while. And so on one of the stations, I would use Cornbread as my name. And um, and so when I got to Annapolis, uh, there's a delegate from Baltimore City named Kurt Anderson. Yes. Right. And my name's Carl Anderton. And so the very first person I run into um, asked me my name. And I said, yeah, my name's Carl Anderton. She said, oh, Kurt Anderson. And I was like, no. And so – all along, since from from yeah. December to January, we had got nothing but calls dealing with Kurt Anderson and mail from Kurt Anderson, and he's getting st- calls from the Eastern Shore, and he's like, "Why are these people from the Eastern Shore calling me?" You know, <laughs> I'm so, in Baltimore City, and I'm like, right. "Why are these people from Baltimore calling?" So, and so in this moment, you know, it was uh, um, Delegate Chris Valderrama who who asked me this. I, I said, "Look, I said, girl, just make it simple, man. Just call me Cornbread." And Oop, by the by boom, the end of the day, <laughs> you know, I, I see you know new uh, governor elect at that point, Larry Hogan walking through, and he says, "All right, Cornbread, what you doing?" I said, "Man, this went that quick." Was, yeah, I like you it. know, yeah. I like and uh, so now it's you know it's just kind of stuck, and and we're okay with it. I mean, it's we had <laughs> used it for a while, and it's not something that um, we had planned. Uh, but it has taken a life of its own. There's a couple restaurants in town that have delicate cornbread sandwiches and things like that, and a drink, and you know. And now there's a, there may there's a potential for another delegate with the name of Carl. You know, so, you know. So it it kind of. You know, there's only one cornbread, so. There's only one uh, cornbread. I'm going to have to look in up. In dress and action. Yeah, so. that radio stuff, I'm going to have to look it up where you were yeah. cornbread on the radio. Like, sure, that's right something on. we're going to have to dig yeah, out. Yeah, we'll dig into that. Yeah. I might still have, I'll tell you. It, you it got was, a demo tape for us? Yeah, you, you know what? I do. Absolutely, <laughs> right? Oh, I do. Yeah, right. It's cool. So, 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 but, uh, so yeah. we, we opened with you as a former local government official. Sure. And he was president of the Maryland Municipal League mm-hmm. and, and a, a, a big policy player dating back to then, even before you ended up in a role in the General Assembly, I'll just say, you know, MAKO and the Municipal League, we love people who have a local government background who get to Annapolis in the General Assembly. The fraction of legislators who have that perspective, mm-hmm. in my judgment, way too small. Sure. But we just love people who have said who have been there and they understand about issues like zoning. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're trying to locate right. this park facility. And people 
people think, well, you know, that's an inconsequential thing. That's a no, big deal. No, it's a big deal. deal. Right. The biggest deals, right? right. Zoning, yeah. zoning is the biggest Yeah, absolutely. Deal. But yeah. It's, like, it's like those little issues mm-hmm. that, that are delivered at the local level. The, the state is about policy and the state is about guidance and sometimes right. it's about funding and so forth. But the delivery of things that most people really care about generally happens at the local level. And we just, we love having people on the committees that we can, you know, look toward and say, hey, some, somebody help me out here because we're trying right. to talk about the local side of this. Sure. No, absolutely. And, you know, the, and, and the thing I guess that was the biggest benefit uh, for me in general was uh, coming from, you know, local government is nonpartisan. When I was mayor, I didn't know the, the affiliation of my council members. I never asked. They never asked me. And and so I took that same approach in Annapolis. And so it, it I don't get caught up in the you know, red, blue stuff. You know, that's why our color is purple. You know, right. it's not just right. for the Ravens. I mean, it is, but, you know, but if you take red and blue, mix it up, you get purple. And, no, and, and seriously, like you yeah. can tell in Annapolis, you are right. definitely not a partisan guy. Right. And as Michael mentioned, being from local government, a veteran of local government, you're somebody that is always willing to listen to Mako and MML. And, yeah. and, and we can come to you and, right. and you're, you're more than willing to understand exactly what we're talking about. And it's because of that experience in local government that you get it. You understand the zoning. You understand mm-hmm. the need for local road money. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about highway user revenues. And you have been right. a champion for highway user revenue. And that's all about local road money. That's about our sure. ability to take care of our local roadways. And it, it's something that doesn't get a lot of play in the papers and in the right. press, but it's super important. It's the first thing you see when you go anywhere, you know, is, is a freshly paved road, you know, a new sidewalk, you know. And uh, so, you know, coming into this in 2014, you know, uh, working with the county executive and, and with uh, then Mayor Ireton, now Mayor Day. And, right. Uh, you know, my my uh, deputy mayor, who's now my mayor in, in Del Mar, Karen Wells, and uh, council president um, down in Fruitland. You know, we um, we understand, you know, the 90 percent cut to municipalities and counties. I mean, you know, uh, you know, why Comico at one point was getting upwards of seven million a year. And, and then it went to, you know, a couple hundred thousand. Right. You know, and so. Uh, you know, we, we submitted legislation, you know, each year and, and, and did it basically hoping it would pass, but knowing that we'd be able to educate. And so that's kind of the approach we took. And so, right. And right. I mean, that's an, it's an underappreciated part of the legislative process. Sometimes it's a matter of this needs to stay on the radar. Right. Even if this might not be the time and the place, let's at least have this conversation. You write up the fiscal note. You make sure everybody gets the background and, okay, put a pin in this because right. the issue's not going away. Well, and when the gas tax was established, you know, back in the 20s, mm-hmm. the 1920s, uh, it's hard to believe it's almost 2020. You have to signify the 1920s. But, uh, you know, it, it was done in part uh, largely to, you know, local roads. And that what that's why that formula had been in place. And then it was taken out by the BRFA, you know, upwards of 10 years ago. And uh, so it was something that, that needed to be fixed. And, again, it's something tangible. If you're trying to, you know, relocate a business or, or families are looking to move into your county or your city – it's the first thing they see sure. is a ride in, you know. And it's uh, not just about the roads, right? I mean, you still have to take care of your roads, even absolutely. if you're not getting the funding. So you have right. to cut from other areas right. to make sure. And that's right? what happened. And you get that. That's right. what's so important. That's what about happened. Other services like struggle, and it just rolls on downhill, and you end up, you know, laying people off or furloughing folks, and then that makes their you you set off a chain reaction by doing that. That that makes family trees change forever sure. in a yeah. negative way. No. I you mean, know, I mean, 
I mean, I think Maryland had this right for a really long time. Mm-hmm. The state raises revenue through a tax on gas and a tax on cars. Right. That comes into a pot, and it takes care of all the roads. It goes to the state sure. highways, and it goes to the local roads and bridges that are maintained by the towns and the counties. Right. I mean, that system served us for decades. Mm-hmm. And everybody kind of understands sometimes you're in a tight pinch, you're in a, a terrible recession, and you have to make right. some some bad decisions short term, right. but but this is one that we're now 10 years later out of the Great Recession, right. and we're still limping along at 20 cents on the dollar and mm-hmm. so forth. I mean, this this one was right for a long time, and, and you're right. We shouldn't let the conversation get away from people who just got elected delegate one year or five years ago. Right. Let's keep this fresh. You know, that that's that's our hope is that we'll continue to submit legislation as we move forward uh, to, to bump the counties up and to make sure that the municipalities stay, but to get the counties up to where they, they belong or as close as we possibly can. Uh, so that way, you know, we've righted a wrong, you know, and, and as – these alternate forms of transportation come along, bicycles, transit, whatever, you know, ideas somebody has. Sure. You know, you see them pulling out of the transportation trust fund for all these different things that don't put in to the transportation trust fund. And you know what? I'm cool with that. As long as we get ours, you can do what you want with the rest. Right. You know, so but let's get ours. And then, Let's take care of what you know, we have. So, right. So you know, there's some coalition building ahead absolutely. here. But that doesn't happen without champions in the legislative process. And Delegate Anderton, you have been exactly that person. You're not alone. No, absolutely. We, I we, mean, the first we, person I think <laughs> of is, you know, now Senator Pam Beidle. You know, sure. I mean, we, absolutely. yeah, I right. mean, we held hands through the whole Senator process Edwards together. Too, yep, right? absolutely. Right. Yes. Yeah. Delegate Greist on yep. the Eastern Shore. So, I mean, there, there's a mm-hmm. list of people who are really committed here. Right. And no coincidence, this is reds and blues. Right. This is this is not any kind of a uniform partisan issue. So this is one we got to pull together and work on for a time. But but we can't get it done without people who believe the same way we do. Sure. And we can't thank you enough for that. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, that's. You know, I'm just the whole goal is just just to make sure that, you know, my neighbors can enjoy the highest quality of life they choose. You so, know? so, Delegate Anderson, yeah. we know yeah. you, you have a lot. going. Again, there's a lot going on in my comic code tonight. Mm-hmm. The Shorebirds, mm-hmm. they, they're playing an elimination game tonight. They're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Tonight's pitcher is Gray Fenter. He's mm-hmm. eight and two. He has an ERA under two. Right. Not a strikeout guy, but he fanned 11 batters last time out. Mm-hmm. I know you're going to head over there. And then you mm-hmm. said you got to get to Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. Talk about the Shorebirds. I mean, all of this stuff that's going on down here at the sure. Folk Fest, you right. have a marathon now, you have the Shorebirds. Talk about what that means for the county and how excited you are for the Sherbirds. And I know you're trying to get get out of here and get over there. No, well, it goes to, you know, you want to make sure that Wicomico County as a whole is a great place to work. But it also needs to be a great place to live and play. That's right. And so it's a three-tiered approach. And I think, you know, as you see each year that goes by, uh, we're getting closer and closer, you know, to that goal. And you know, these are just pieces along the way, you know, and so as, you know, as we move forward, you'll see more and more of these things happening. You know, we have a hundred and just over 101,000 people in this county. We can support things that, that can be supported everywhere else. We just ask for a chance. And, uh, you know, uh, as for the Shorebirds being in the playoffs, you know, I mean, that, that goes, that should let everybody listening know that it, in three years, the Orioles could be contenders because this is where it all starts. That's right. right. And, you know, exactly. Everybody yeah. talks about the farm system. Right. The Orioles are on the up and up right. for sure. So thank you for 
for ending on a positive note. Everybody wants the <laughs> Orioles to do well. <laughs> right I mean, on. You know, That's good. But it is football it. season, and, right. you know, purple is for the Ravens. All right, so, so what do you think about right the Ravens on. this year? You oh, excited? man, we're going all the way, man. You got Lamar. We're going all, all the way. We won the Super Bowl, baby. Right. <laughs> write it down. You heard it here first <laughs> right. from Delegate Anderson. <laughs> right on. Thank you so much. Enjoy the game. And, and, and thank you again for being with us. We Absolutely. I'll see you boys up the road. Thank you so much. Right on. The Local Government Insurance Trust is the primary source for Maryland local governments to get insurance coverage. When the private insurance market doesn't understand your needs and doesn't really want to be in the business of covering your law enforcement officers and other public employees, Legit will be there. That is exactly why Legit was created over 30 years ago. Legit is different. Legit is owned and managed by its local government members. That means that when we do well, you do well. Members get premium credits when the trust has a good year, and Legit offers training and best practices year-round to make sure our members are doing their best with risk management. Competitive prices, outstanding service, and coverage that fits your needs as a local government. You can't beat Legit for all your coverage needs. Find out more at lgit.org or drop by their exhibit space at the MML or MAKO conference. Welcome back to the Conduit Street Podcast. Kevin Canale back here with Michael Sanderson. Michael, we are down here at the National Folk Festival in Salisbury, Maryland, in Wicomico County. And again, we were honored to be here, and this is a massive event. Just super impressed with what's going on. Well, I mean, things are picking up not only on stage, and you can hear, you can hear a little. You can hear a little bit of the music on stage. We found ourselves a good overlook spot. But in addition to what's happening for this festival, I mean, you and I have been impressed already. We've had some friends and colleagues walk us around. Some of the things happening downtown, right here in and around downtown Salisbury, it's. It's, it's really exciting, not just for this big weekend, but for all the things that are going on. And we've got the perfect guest to talk about all that. We have Mayor Day and, and Jake Day, Mayor of Salisbury. Thank you so much for being with us this evening. You were elected to the city council at the age of 30. Is that oh, right? Nice. I mean, obviously, you really care about local government. And thank you for taking the time. You're a busy guy this evening for taking the time to be with us tonight. Kevin, it's my honor. Uh, thank you guys for having me. And uh, yeah, I ran for uh, local elected office uh, at the age of 30. And a county councilman who happens to be in our presence was my campaign manager. Yeah, we're going to get to him. Josh sure. Hastings. We're going to get to him for sure. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, but he realized he could do much more from the county council than he could uh, helping me out. So, um, you know, proud to support uh, and be a part of uh, transforming my hometown. That's, I think, what we're doing with this National Folk Festival right now. Well, this is, I mean, this is an amazing endeavor. And I mean, I, I, I was having this conversation a little bit earlier. I grew up in small towns and we were really excited to have the Cherry Festival and the Watermelon Festival. And those would be, you know, 5,000 people would walk through. And for a small town, that was a really big deal and that sort of thing. But tens of thousands of people coming to a nationally centered event here in Salisbury, it's overwhelming and really, really impressive. So how how'd all this stuff come together? Well, uh, when I ran for office in 2013, the director of our Ward Museum of Wildfowl Art said, hey, we got to do this. She, she was aware of this event. Right. We've got to apply to be a host city. It's a nationally competitive process. And uh, I, I said, we're not ready. <laughs> we're just not ready. We, we had, you know, we had politicians fighting with each other, focused on each other. We weren't aimed in the same direction. We weren't getting things done. We didn't have the, the fundamentals covered. Um, and three years later, she came back. So she was persistent. Mm. She That's had good. a vision. Right. And she said, 
hey, we're doing this. And so we did. And we competed against cities like Charlottesville and Boulder, you know, cities that I would say are much more complete in their journey. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're in the process. We're a city on the rise, I think. And we're, we're not Boulder or Charlottesville, but we're on our way. And, uh, you know, somebody believed in us. She believed in us. The, the National Council for the Tr Traditional Arts, which, by the way, is a Maryland-based organization, right. believed in us and brought this festival back to Maryland. Well, that's terrific. I mean, the idea of having a plan for where you want to be, even even if you're not bolder right now, you you got to have a mission, right? Yes, you do. You got to have a mission and a vision. You got to be focused, and you got to be ready to put it into action and collaborate with you know county government, state government, the private sector, the philanthropic sector. And, and Mayor Day, I mean, this festival has musical performers, storytellers, singers, dancers, craftspeople, passers-on of folk life traditions, and I mean. I know that last year you had 63,000 people, right? And it, there was a lot of rain. It was. And, and I know you could have had a lot more. We think this year it could be as high as 120,000 people here in Salisbury. I mean, what does that mean for the economy? Not just the economy, but just the community in general. Sure. Well, let me put it in context. We're a city of 35,000. So having 120,000 <laughs> people visit over a weekend is a lot. Um, and it, it's transformative because it's not only presents us on a much larger stage, but it also shows people what we're capable of. So, you know, we say welcome. We say come see this and come back and invest and reinvest and be a part of this community. So what it means is, you know, potentially $40 million of direct spend this weekend, right. which would be the biggest uh, tourism event we have in our city, sure. in our county. Um, and we're grateful for that. But what it also means is, you know, what does the future hold? You know, I think the whole reason we invest in the arts and culture is not only to give access to the people who live here to great fun things, but also to say, we're the type of community that you want to be a part of and live in to those who have not yet chosen Salisbury. Sure. Come try us out for a weekend. Right. You'll want to come back. I, I want to move down. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I was walking around earlier saying maybe this is where I need to be. Kevin, I'm going to show you yeah. houses. Okay, all right. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm ready to go. But I mean, you, so you've spent your career revitalizing downtowns, making them more vibrant, livable. And you work for the Eastern Shore Land Conservancy, and, and you were the, the director of the Center for Towns. How does that experience influence what you're doing here in Salisbury? Well, I, I helped small towns up and down the Eastern Shore with uh, planning processes, with community design work. And, and I bring those same uh, practices to bear right here in my hometown, which is to say, let's get people involved in the process of planning their future in their downtown. And, you know, we've been grateful for um, a lot of people buying into that process and we want more of that. One of the things that I think we are uh, hopeful is that we'll see examples and more examples of the young people who pass through our institutions like Salisbury University right. and who are born and raised here like myself or, mm. or like Councilman Hastings who choose to live here, uh, you know, whether again, that's for four years or are born here, but, but who decide to stay. That's, that's the story that's we the want. Ticket, right? And you're not going to get there if you don't have things like the National Folk Festival. And if you don't continue to invest in in, in transit options and in uh, bike paths and in great parks sure. and in safe streets. Those are things are all critical. And I, I want to see more stories like yeah. that. And, and as you're talking about having community buy-in and having the community guide those next steps and, and come together for all these things that you want to be able to showcase, that's what people are going to see. And it was, it's been easy spending the day here and going block by block. You know, we're looking at this building that's going to get built up to be the tallest building in, on the Eastern shore. And, Big but, deal. I mean, but there's, I mean, like, 
the, just the idea over here, here's what's coming next. And you won't believe what we got planned for beyond that. Right. And then the park plan fits in and the greater county area is going to support it. Right. And the transportation infrastructure is going to, I mean, it's just like all these pieces coming together. That's what people who come here to listen to music are going to come back being impressed by. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, we recognize that it's not all about, you know, one weekend. And and this is just a step in that long process that you just described of transforming a community that, you know, as I said a few minutes ago, was at one time caught in a a place of political dysfunction and and I think has risen to a point where we're more aimed in one direction together, united, walking down a path toward that, that, that city that we believe this can be. That's, I mean, it's, it's all really exciting, and getting from here to there requires lots of stakeholders. We've talked about public participation. You need private players as well. Uh, we're lucky to also have with us tonight uh, Nick Simpson, um, who's a player in the building community here in Salisbury in this area, uh, a local guy done good. We love hearing these kind of stories, so happy to have you with us again, uh, you, you with us also tonight, Nick. Yeah, we're looking to uh, build the Ross uh, right here in downtown on Main Street, and it's going to be the, the tallest building on the shore. Yeah, Nick, so, so talk about the Ross. I mean, is this like a mixed development? I mean, what are you envisioning here? How are you in- going to incorporate Salisbury University and the students there into the Ross and also, you know, the, the community of Salisbury? Because sure. it sounds like that's what you're aiming for. Yeah. So when we when we came to, to downtown Salisbury originally, we were really at the beginning of what you guys are talking about, this energy. and we started to uh, piece together development by development, and the energy has continued. And honestly, five years from now, you're not going to recognize this town. It, I, I it feels it. that way. I yeah. You, you, can, you can see the arrow is up. <laughs> no question. Super impressive. I mean, I can't say it enough. Yeah, it really I, is. The Ross has, is one of the pieces that we want to put in place that really gets the link between the university and downtown, which is something that we, as on the private and I think on the public side, have been trying to do for a while and so the Ross is actually a student housing building and we're also incorporating an event space so we can bring the community downtown Mm -hmm. get them up to the top floor let them see the view it is really an awesome view we have drone footage that just every time (laughs) yeah I get to take a look at it it really fires me up but, but leveraging the relationships you have. I mean, Salisbury University right here. That's right. And it's not, it's not an outskirts campus. It's a downtown campus. You feel it. I mean, you feel it in the community here. So, and you've got, you know, you've got, you know, buildings literally right on these blocks. Can, <laughs> so, can I jump so, in? Please, please, yeah, please. I, know, please. You know, I mean, I, I've got to hit on this point. You know, I, again, rewind a little bit in time. And there was a point in time where the only time you ever heard public officials and the university talk about each other was to complain about the other around uh, here. Pointing fingers. Yeah, <laughs> and po- a lot of pointing fingers. And, you know, and a campus that was walled off uh, from the community um, mentally. You know, that mentality of, of oh, the only thing I think about when I think about the university is kids partying in my neighborhood. Problems. Um, problems. Externalities. But now, you know, we're in a place where we've got Salisbury University owns a, a building downtown where they're building $6 million entrepreneurship center. Yeah, right. They've got the art yeah, we galleries. We just through that earlier. Partying, I mean, partying that, that's tonight. the incubator, right? I mean, that's right. fantastic. And, and then to have students living downtown, that is the game changer. So the Ross and what Nick's talking about and, and his continued investment in this place that is the game changer. It, it's like a domino. It, you just press it, and, and then it's yeah, going to keep right. going. And then the, it just will continue to develop. You know, more developments will come. More developers will be right. inspired to, to work here. It's the public and private partnerships that are available here 
I think are a lot a lot easier to do business in than elsewhere. It's uh, it's just a it's a it's a community that wants to move. The whole community wants to move right. forward, and they don't want to stop. You have that buy-in from all stakeholders, right? That's, and that's, that's what's right. so important. And, and nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd. So this downtown is hot is happening now, right? And so, I mean, I see what's happening here, and I'm thinking, wait, he's he's got the big building. Well, I, I want to be do the, I want to do the next big building. That's maybe, right. Maybe that's maybe right. Nick, you're going to be the guy doing the next big building, and that'd be tremendous. But I mean, you want this to be a place where everyone wants to be, and we with higher ed as part of that plan and and all the entrepreneurship that can come with that. I mean, take take some of the great minds that we've got on campus and get them thinking about how they can affect this community. It's going to be good for everybody. And stay here, right? Yeah, yeah. And continue to contribute yeah. to this community and give back. And, and again, that, that's a domino effect. I think, Nick, like you mentioned earlier, I mean, once that starts to flow, more and more people are going to realize that's a good idea and I can really do a lot of beneficial things in my community and make this my home and raise my family here. Michael, I, I just want to hit on that point. You said no, nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd. Um, there, there's something really, really deep about that sentiment, which is that um, we've got a crowd out there tonight, right? And uh, the more we have people walking the streets, that's a good thing. But at the center, at the center of communities, at the center of cities, you have the opportunity to have a crowd that includes everybody from the east side and north side and west side and south side coming together in a place that you know belongs to everybody this is not just some neighborhood this is everybody's it's downtowns and centers of communities become community venues almost it's it's something we've got to take care of we as the public have a, a responsibility to take care of and 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 all i'd all i'd add to that is is that you know it I get the question, you know, why after 40 years of ignoring the center of your city or our city, I often get, why are we, why are we paying so much attention to this? Why are we spending so much money? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? You know, and and we can have a long conversation about public investment and and, uh, return on that investment. But at the end of the day, it's because this belongs to everybody. And when we get our heart right, when we get this center right, we're going to be able to get the rest right. And you can I see it. That. You can see it. I mean, I mean, we've we've been here. You you can really see it outside. You see all walks of life here. It's not just one certain type of person. It's not somebody from this neighborhood or that neighborhood. It's everybody coming together, and it's a synergy that I think is really cool and really awesome to see. Yeah, I think people want to stay a part of it too. I and mean, we had twenty four thousand square feet in the original two buildings that will uh, become the Ross. So there's two buildings, one thirty and one thirty two East Main Street, twenty four thousand square feet of office space. And of the 17 tenants in that in those buildings, not one of them left downtown. That's great. Every single one of them relocated in downtown. It's contagious, it's right? It's perfect. It's contagious. Right. So, so speaking about that, Mayor Day, so, I mean, under your leadership, I think it's really cool. The city really has identified a brand, right? I mean, you can see that uh, in, in signs, shirts, hats, stickers, vehicles, even the city's historical, you know, the, 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 the water stand pipe. Why is, to you, why is having a brand so important to community identity? And, and why is that something that you focused on? Well, that's that's a great question, um, and I think the the answer to that is because uh, when you don't have a brand or when you don't think you do, when you haven't identified that brand, you know, through through design and through uh, messaging, right? I guarantee you, you do have a brand. And it's not good. It's, it just, you just didn't write it. It doesn't belong to you. Somebody else is writing that narrative. And for us, it was, you know, it was a, a, an environment of a blogosphere and, you know, um, negative attacks and, you know, people coming to council meetings and yelling and throwing things. And, and, and I mean that literally, by the way. Uh, you can check I mean, the we've, news we've seen that. We've seen that. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, sure. it's a local government thing. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, sure. We're, yep. we're, all, we're all prone to it from time to time. But, um, but I think uh, that, 
that getting that identity thing right is is critical is so critical for local government because again if you aren't taking ownership and 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 driving that narrative somebody else is for you so it's taking ownership and really developing a sense of community and giving people something to identify with yeah the other thing is you, you don't get there by dictating what that brand is. You got to collectively build it and say, who are we? Who are we? And people will want to say the good things about who they are. You know, people will naturally start to articulate those good things. So we held, you know, community input sessions and forums and lots of communities have done this to, to identify what that brand was and what that identity was. But then we had to put resources behind it. You know, we, we started spending money on marketing. We never spent a penny on marketing in the past. And now we do, we take it seriously. And, and we, uh, you know, we do advertisements in Washington, newspapers and in Baltimore newspapers and we say right. come live in Salisbury we, right. we know how to have a good time right. you can come have a good time with us yeah, right. I think you have two walking advertisements right here that are going to go back to Annapolis <laughs> and, and and I'm going to talk to my wife about hey you know Salisbury's great we, we, we need to get down there I mean, that's I, stiff competition it is uh, Annapolis is a great town that's good. and I know Mayor Gavin's going to give me a hard time Mayor Gavin, yeah, he's uh, great. For, uh, right. for stealing you if I no, do no 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 he's great but, but I will say like you do see elements here just like Annapolis it seems like this is turning in somewhat to an Annapolis-style community where you have everybody kind of blending together. You have these community events that are taking place at the center of town, but it seems like there are a lot of similarities playing out here. Well, you know, I think what you do is you recognize that you've got competitive advantages, whoever you are. You know, we're not Silicon Valley. We don't we don't have the same competitive advantage. I know that incubator yet. looks like you're, you're moving well, we're, in that we're direction. On our way, right? Right? Yeah. We're, not, pieces, we're right? not Annapolis, <laughs> right. but we have our own competitive advantages. Right. We've got our built-in institutions. We've got things we can build from. We've got natural advantages in being the center city on you know America's uh, uh, the Northeast American coastline's breadbasket. You know uh, we are this protected, beautiful space that's got access to the beach in the bay, and we got something special going on here. And Salisbury is the center city of it. You know we may not be huge, but we're something and and we can be, I think, uh, the, the, the star in a story of a, a very, very special part of America in the Delmarva Peninsula. Well, I mean, this it's a perfect way for us to get out of the box and try and do a remote site like this. Um, Mayor Day, thanks very much for hosting us down here in your offices. Um, thanks very much, uh, Josh, for taking time. Both of you taking time to talk with us. Uh, this has been great. Yeah, Nick, thank you so much, too. I mean, I think the public-private partnership is so important. And you showing up and making that investment into the city really just complements what Mayor Day is doing. And it's so important, not only here, but across the state to see these public-private partnerships. Hey, and look, anytime Conduit Street wants to come back to Salisbury, you are welcome. You know how to get here now. <laughs> we will host you anytime. And we know the event we want to build out from, too. <laughs> yeah. so Every great. year, National yeah. Folk I mean, Festival. I, looking we'll out the window, seeing so the main stage, you got craft beer, you got great food. I mean, we're, we're all Can't in. Yeah, we're all in. That's it. That's it. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. And we are really, really happy to have Council Member Josh Hastings with us. And Josh, you are a Wicomico County Council Member. This is your district here in Salisbury, but Salisbury is not the only part of your district. Talk about how you are working with with the downtown area, but also outside of the downtown area, and, and how you're making that all work for everybody. Yeah, first of all, I'll say uh, well, thank you guys for being here. Uh, uh, I grew up on a farm in Mardella. Um, my family had the very first certified organic farm in the state of Maryland. Hmm. We also uh, grew chicken. And uh, so I grew up with a lot of the rural uh, issues, uh, rural, a lot of rural poverty. 
Um, that's the other, that's the Western side of our County. Now right. my district is actually a little more urban. Mine has the, the, one of our regional hospitals, Salisbury university, and it abuts the downtown. It's actually a very fast growing area. Our, uh, right. our, our property values have now jumped up uh, 40% in the last three years. It's awesome. Um, it's a place where people want to be, but yeah, so we're, we are trying to now, uh, uh, actually figure out how do we get a lot of the communities. We have a lot of folks coming in from, uh, um, a lot, there's actually a lot more folks being Creole now. We actually just got to have a conversation of how are we changing more of a signage in our, not just in Salisbury, but around the county to, uh, to Spanish, which we've had a long time Spanish population, right. now Korean population. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and now in that, that's outside of the university as a whole. That's just other folks coming to our area to come work and have their own life. When, when, when we were having preliminary conversations about coming down here and, and possibly doing the podcast and talk with different people in and around the community, you were selling us really hard that you got to get down into Salisbury and see the things that are happening in and around this area. Um, and I mean, talking to other leaders from the community here have really reinforced that. But honestly, just walking block, block by block down here has just yeah. been one revelation after another. So thank you for your role in setting up some of that, uh, but also just you know knowing that this was going to play as well as it has. There's an awful lot to talk about. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, and Josh, I mean, you've talked a lot about focusing on on building upon events and places that really boost tourism and the quality of life here. That includes this festival. That includes this the USSSA National Softball mm-hmm. Tournament, Shorebird Stadium. Shout out to the shorebirds hopefully you know they do really well tonight they have to win the salisbury zoo i mean building upon all of that how is that going and why is that so important to you and for the county well quality of life is without a doubt that i can't emphasize this enough people are gonna if you can do your job anywhere and we're now moving in that direction. We, you know, we have NASA that's not that far south of us. In in doing so, years ago, we had rural broadband issues. We brought, we helped bring in some of the fiber up the uh, up to Salisbury. Yeah, and that's an and, issue on the shore in Western Maryland across the state. Rural broadband, something that we're focused on. I know you're focused on yeah. you, very much so. Yeah, and it it directly correlates with quality of life. Right in Wicomico County, on the shore, we have the best quality of life. I, I may be biased, uh, but. Uh, the best quality of life anywhere on, uh, in the state of Maryland. And if you can do your job anywhere, then you're going to pick a, a place that's, uh, that is truly special. I was literally at a meeting not that long ago where a guy shows up. We were at a, we were at a, a design charrette and trying to figure out one of our next projects in, in, in the town uh, and in, in Salisbury. And, and the guy says, uh, raise his hand says, oh, actually, uh, I'm here because I did an internet search. He goes, I literally put it into, uh, an, into a computer. He goes, and I don't know what, somewhere on the internet, there's a program. He goes, you can, you can type in having universities, having a rural, it. and, having and, it yeah, and he literally put it, and he, and he goes, so that's why I'm here. And so now I'm here at this public meeting to help you figure out how to make a better community. But we were like, oh, well, welcome, you know? Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Um, but, but trying to find that mix, I think it, this is going to be an area that's going to continue to grow. It's going to continue to prosper. We have two major universities. Some of the best healthcare that you can find in the region, NASA. and yeah, NASA. We have, uh, I mean, and, and other community colleges. Sure. But having the zoo, which you know, actually, my great uncle said it's one of the best 
uh, small zoos in America, without a doubt. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice icing on the cake when you have someone like the Shorebirds, who had best best season they've ever had uh, since 1996. And Michael, that, that's what we're talking about here, right? You don't necessarily have to pick and choose, right? You, 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 I mean, yeah, I mean, this is a county, though. You get outside of the bounds of Salisbury proper. I mean, you get outside of the downtown area. This is a county that's going to maintain a real rural character. I mean, we talked with the county executive about the, the lowland areas right out you know down there, down near the water and so forth yeah. i mean we know there's a there's a big tradition of working the waterways and mm-hmm. the agriculture in this community we know the presence of purdue and so forth but i mean this this is this is a county that's not transforming into a you know a, a totally metropolitan jurisdiction right. there's going to be a big rural character in a lot of wicomico even with the kind of growth and excitement we're seeing in this area yeah, and, and it's it's been a nice, cute trend that so many places have had their little their craft beers. You know, we have five craft beer uh, breweries, I think at we, least. We love you that. Know. We love but that. if you go a step further than that, having real craft products and craft uh, and actually local, uh, clean, organic, you know, sure. or, or other kinds of produce, that's something that you can get here and, and year round. Um, so, so it's really about building up the city of Salisbury, but also maintaining these rural roots. And and you you mentioned earlier, you grew up on a farm. You understand that and the importance of not not forgetting what your roots are, where you came from. So we talk a lot about Salisbury today, and this is where the Folk Festival is. But this county as a whole, and, and making Salisbury available for everybody within the county and on the whole shore to come and this really be a gathering place and these kind of events promoting that, promoting it as a spot where everybody can gather. It's so important. So really, it's building this city up, but also maintaining those roots and not forgetting who you are. Yeah. And, you know, last thing I'll say on this, we we are still, we're a growing county. We are the um, the second lowest funded county uh, when it comes to education with what we as a county pay into our own local education. Sure. That's an issue for us, not because we don't want to, it's because we don't have the the full ability, but that's changing rapidly. And uh, as we become a much more urban um, uh, area, we're not going to forget our rural roots. And uh, and it's actually quite ingrained into who we are as a region. So I'm very excited for the future for not just Sal- I mean, Salisbury is great, but for the county as a whole. Um, and so I really invite people to come down to Icomica, come see what we're doing. If you like the folk festival, you like craft beer, you yes. like good baseball, yes. Yes. you like, yes. you know, yes. you like a we family. Like the, yes. We have, I could be five different places tonight in this <laughs> right. county right now. I'd be super happy <laughs> right. with, it, with exactly. what we're doing. So. Well, thank you guys for being here. And I invite folks to come down. This is a really a wonderful area and, uh, our, our county government and our local the city government, we are wide open. If anyone wants a tour, anyone who's listening to this, Call me on my cell phone. It's literally published everywhere. And I will give you a personal tour because I believe in our area. (laughs) I believe in our area and I love it. And I want to have folks down here. It's it's infectious that you do. Uh, Your belief in this um, is part of what triggered us to come down here. Thanks so much for clearing a runway, getting us some time with with your colleagues and friends down here. Uh, It's been productive for us. It's accomplished exactly what I think you wanted Mm -hmm. and what we wanted. And I think our listeners will get a lot out of it too. Absolutely. And special shout out out to Alyssa Massey, my, who are, we're getting married uh, two weeks ding, from tomorrow. Ding. Yeah, she's and the brains behind this operation. She, for completely. Sure. For sure. She is for sure. smart, beautiful, all total package, uh, and uh, I love her very much. Congratulations, and we're, we're super happy we for you We are very both. happy. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much again, and thanks for having us down here. We really Friends appreciate it. Friends of the pod. We like Woo-hoo. Friends of the pod. <laughs>